and welcome to another episode of Consumer, the European podcast of the Consumer Choice Center. As always, I'm your host, Bill Words, with Billy Joel's pressure fading out in the background. By the way, me saying Bill Words has also sparked some editors making mistakes on how to spell my name. Recently read Words, W-E-R-T-Z instead of I-R-T-Z. Uh, I guess that's probably on me for not pronouncing it correctly, as my colleague Yalosowski uh, says. Um, this is the episode of October 20th, 2022. Uh, we uh, are back after a bit of a longer break, traveling-related uh, break, even though there's still some traveling going on uh, in autumn. Hopefully, some of you will be able to do that as well. Who knows? COVID lockdowns might be back at some point. Great show for you today. We have a uh, we have some clips from our press conference uh, in Brussels, where we presented a new. Uh, paper on uh, harm reduction, the misperceptions about harm reduction and nicotine, which we presented together with the sort of Consumer Choice Center, together with the World Vapors Alliance. And so I have some clips from that uh, a press conference that I'll be playing at the end of this episode. Also in this episode, we have Macron's new trade war on cars and Finland is eyeing new nuclear reactors. So let's get started. Emmanuel Macron calls for bi-European measures for cars. This is Politico reporting French President Emmanuel Macron on Sunday called for more support for consumers and companies that choose electric cars produced in the EU instead of foreign ones. Quote, the Americans are buying American and pursuing a very aggressive strategy of state aid. The Chinese are closing their market. We cannot be the only area, the most virtuous in terms of climate, which considers that there is no European preference. End of quote, Macron told French daily Les Echos. I strongly defend a European preference in this area and support for the automotive industry. We must stand by this and it must happen as soon as possible, he said, noting that several European car rental companies are massively buying Chinese vehicles. So I think um, Mr. Macron here is uh, not fully understanding the advantages of free trade and the disadvantages of protectionism. Protectionism does affect uh, consumers on both sides of the equation. And so, yes, you are also hurting your own consumers if you erect uh, protectionist measures because you're reducing competition, you're reducing the choices on the marketplace. And so, uh, yeah, sure, if you want to only buy European uh, when it comes to electric vehicles, that is very much your choice. Um, but you shouldn't have to pay extra just because your vehicle is from uh, overseas. I also reacted to this in a press release, actually, that we hosted on our blog on consumerchoicecenter.org, in which I essentially said that nobody needs a new car trade war. If countries such as the US or China are suspected of unfairly favoring their industries, then France needs to take this up at the WTO level. So that's the World Trade Organization. And not try to emulate their policies within, within the European Union. Emmanuel Macron's notion of European sovereignty, he's been talking about that quite a bit, especially during the French presidency of the European Union, doesn't seem to be about creating opportunities for business, but rather punitively attacking uh, foreign importers that are trying to compete with uh, European products. So in the end, what we end up with is a situation in which usually the European Union has been at the forefront of free trade, but then seems to be specific member states that are not particularly fond of it. Uh, we've noticed this with Mercosur. We've talked about this on the podcast a few times. Uh, the Mercosur trade deal between South American countries and Europe, where France and Ireland are trying to essentially protect their meat industries 
Uh, and, and with other trade deals as well. And with TTIP, there was a lot of resistance from Germany, ultimately Belgium, more specifically Wallonia, stopped that trade deal. So very often now we run into these problems because protectionism is something that politicians, it's a simplified solution by, through which politicians you know, try and get uh, the attention, try and show to their constituents that they are doing something to protect them when in fact they are doing the exact opposite I believe that um, in the uh, in, in, in next week's episode we will be going a bit deeper into into the topic with an expert on the automotive industry. So uh, stay tuned for that. Next up, we have Finland, which is eyeing small reactor nuclear future in talks with the United States. That's Euractive reporting. Energy giant Fortum is updating its strategy with a return to Nordic roots after the investment fiasco with Germany's Uniper. In line with developments elsewhere in Europe alongside conventional reactors, the Finnish state-owned company will explore prerequisites for small modular reactors, SMRs, a technology in which Washington is leading. In a two-year feasibility study announced on Monday, the company said it would look into the commercial, technological and societal, political, legal and regulatory conditions for a nuclear ramp-up in Finland and Sweden. Wow, quite a sentence there. Thanks, Euractive. Um, I think it's quite interesting because that's essentially uh, the French uh, approach to it. France now uh, uh, in the process of trying to build 14 uh, small-scale uh, nuclear reactors uh, in a significant uh, attempt to not just fight climate change, but also assure energy uh, security, energy independence. I think in Brussels you call that strategic autonomy. Uh, so that's essentially what Finland will be going for as well. Finland in the past has also been one of the countries that has been at the forefront of challenging uh, the notion that uh, the Nordics uh, reject uh, nuclear power or that Europe ought to reject nuclear power. Uh, in Finland also local communities incentivized uh, to uh, to have deposit areas uh, for storage of nuclear, spent nuclear fuel uh, uh, close to them. And so a general positive reaction to um, uh, to the energy crisis that we are currently facing. I think this is also for the look ahead. I know a lot of the criticism towards nuclear power is very often that it will take a long time to build. I saw this uh, this video of Nick Clegg, former deputy uh, prime minister in, in the UK, who said in 2010, oh, look, I mean, if we're trying to build nuclear power plants, they would only get done in 2021. Well, what could it have been um, for the UK to have more nuclear power plants ready right now. So uh, it seems that very often governments are, are very short-sighted on these issues. We always just look to the next election instead of thinking a bit ahead on these on these issues. That's not just true on budgetary uh, talks. It's also true on uh, on energy uh, uh, energy development. So it'll be interesting to see how many other countries will be uh, following suit because the door is open. I mean, there are EU member states that are very positive towards nuclear power, have argued in the EU green taxonomy that um, nuclear power should be regarded as uh, green tech. But there are also EU member states that vehemently oppose this. I know my own home country, Luxembourg, and then also Austria are now suing at the European Court of Justice, the uh, European Union for declaring, um, or the European Council, I, 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 I suppose specifically, for declaring um, nuclear power as green it's a very ideological battle, uh, even though the scientific uh, scientific question on that has uh, has been solved. So, uh, so very interesting developments uh, there. But I would say let's go to the uh, press conference. 
So the Consumer Choice Center and the World Vapors Alliance together hosted a press conference in Brussels in which we laid out the uh, the details on a, a new paper that we published, Tobacco, Harm Reduction and Nicotine Perceptions, where we looked at what do respondents in both Germany and France say um, in those respondents who are currently smokers, what do they say about harm reduction and using e-cigarettes as a means of getting out of their habit of smoking as a, as a choice? Uh, but also, what do general practitioners say? So uh, over 800 uh, smokers were polled in Germany and France, as well as 30 uh, general practitioners in Germany and France. Uh, so very interesting results there. Only three out of 15 doctors in Germany say they know the term harm reduction. Um, and most German doctors do not perceive vaping products as a harm reduction tool. In France, more doctors compared to Germany perceive it as a harm reduction tool. So a lot of interesting details there in the study. A lot of people, uh, a lot of the smokers that, that were surveyed say that they, uh, that they wish to quit, but they don't feel they have been adequately helped and that governments don't quite understand how hard it is to actually quit smoking. So I have a few clips from this press conference that I want to play with you so you sort of get an impression um, why this is important, even as a non-smoker, if you care about public health, uh, this this is an important uh, issue. First up, we have uh, Michael Landl, director of the World Vapors Alliance. You've heard him on this podcast a few times. Um, the impact those misconceptions have, um, some of you might know, I personally know quitting smoking is one of the hardest things to do. And um, only 2 to 3% of smokers um, successfully quit without any help. And we still see 700,000 um, smoking-related deaths in the EU. So it's a really serious problem. And we thought um, we need to understand this misconception so that then policymakers can base their decisions uh, on how to help um, smokers to quit. And I think there are three key elements which we, which we always need to have in our head when, we, when it comes to helping smokers quit cigarettes. Um, obviously, the first one is to have options. We have already heard... All, the, all smokers are different, all people are different, so we need to have as many ways away from cigarettes as possible. That is kind of a policy, um, policy requisite for, for having a consumer-friendly um, regulatory framework so that um, for some it works cold turkey or actually only a few. For some in the Nordic countries, snooze works great and as it turns out, vaping is one of the most successful um, smoking cessation aids. But obviously, everything or for every person, different things are working. So we need to have that on the table. And obviously, to make sure that the smokers can make the right decision for themselves, they need to have accurate information about those kind of things. Um, and as we said, the problem also starts a little bit with the doctors on the one side, but also the way um, public health provides smoking cessation aids, because we found that um, four-fifths of all smokers in our survey tried to quit smoking but failed. And in France, 62% and in Germany, 53% of the smokers believe that the, the anti-smoking policies, the way we provide them, ignore the fact how hard it is to quit smoking. And therefore, I think we, we need to re rethink how we approach this. And this is obviously with um, as much choice as possible. And here's some more by Michael Landl, director of the World Vapors Alliance. But I think the most problematic one is that in France, still 33% uh, of smokers and in Germany, 43% of smokers believe that vaping is at least as harmful as smoking or even more harmful than smoking. 
And then as a side note, in Germany, more than 20% of smokers don't know what vaping is at all. So they, don't even, they are not even aware that there are alternatives to just trying to quit without any help. Um, and that, that obviously hinders a lot of people uh, from switching from, from smoking to an alternative. And the other astonishing number for me is almost 70% in France and more than 70% in Germany, also from the smokers, believe that nicotine causes cancer. And obviously, Professor Fasolinos is, is more, more um, prepared to, to show the actual scientific uh, status quo. But I think it's fair to say that it's generally accepted that vaping is less harmful compared to smoking. And I, therefore, it's a disaster that even the smokers, those we want to, to target and help to get away from cigarettes, um, have such high amount of, of uh, misconceptions and, and misinformation, actually. Um, one of the things was 11% of, of, in both countries of the smokers, actually think that cigarettes are the least harmful product out of all the alternatives we gave them, which included snooze, oral pouches, vaping. Um, so there is a lot of, of misinformation with real-life impact because that hinders people. Um, apart from price, um, probably the improvement of one's own health is one of the key motivating factors of smokers to switch away. And if they think the other product is as harmful or even more harmful, obviously this motivation is decreased. We also had some expert help at the press conference, Dr. Konstantinos Fasilinos, a physician and public health expert with a lot of experience in tobacco harm reduction research. Harm reduction is a strategy that we follow in our daily lives, in almost all our daily activities. Harm reduction is the use of uh, seat belts instead of not entering a car. Harm reduction is the use of helmets instead of not driving a motorcycle. With seat belts and with uh, helmets, you don't reduce your risk of being injured in a car crash or in an accident to zero, but you substantially reduce your risk. Uh, this is exactly the concept and the definition of harm reduction. In the same way, Electronic cigarettes represent a perfect example of harm reduction. They are not risk-free, and that's why no one recommends to a non-smoker to start using electronic cigarettes. We always recommend that there should be regulation, but uh, there is growing evidence, and right now we have more than 10-15 years of experience through a lot of research, and when you look at the totality of evidence, and not specifically to um, each, each uh, study, there is no doubt that there is a vast difference in risk associated with e-cigarette use compared to smoking. There is a huge risk reduction that um, is being proven every day. Additionally, we now have evidence that they do help quite a lot smokers to quit. For example, um, a, a few years ago, a study showed that it's twice as effective as nicotine replacement therapies, which are approved smoking cessation medications. Very recently, a few days ago, a study in four countries, uh, the UK, uh, uh, Australia, Canada, and the US, found that people who start using electronic cigarettes daily have eight times more chance of quitting smoking. So they do work as smoking cessation um, tools. Uh, but the problem is the misconceptions that were presented in this uh, study, which is something very disappointed, but also very much expected. In 2016, 
we published a study about the perceptions of healthcare professionals uh, in Greece about nicotine, tobacco, smoking, and electronic cigarettes. And the findings were almost the same. Uh, there are similar studies with um, Swedish general practitioners. There are studies of physicians in the UK a few years ago. And they also the same misconceptions, not just among the society, the citizens, but among experts, healthcare professionals who are the source of information and advice for everyone. So when you see that there are such misconceptions, like, for example, in our study, we found something very similar to what you found, that more than 70% of healthcare professionals believed that the contribution of nicotine to smoke-related lung cancer and cancer in other organs is important to extremely important. While nicotine is not a carcinogen, we know that. We know that for many years. It's not registered as a carcinogenic substance in the International Agency uh, for Research on Cancer. So uh, when you see such kind of misconception within the medical community, then I think it's not a surprise that you see the citizens, and especially smokers, not knowing what to believe and having such, um, such erroneous um, um, opinions about these products. And then also at the press conference, former Georgian and Ukrainian Health Minister Alexander Kvitashvili. Many countries followed the, uh, in, in, in the developing world, a, a three, four, five hundred percent increase in excise tax uh, on tobacco products, tobacco and tobacco products. Again, I mean, I'm not a proponent of, of uh, smoking. But that didn't solve the issue uh, of, of reducing uh, the number of smoking. What it did, it created another issue of illegal markets and illegal smuggling of cigarettes. It's a very simple thing. Over, over regulating certain fields uh, in this particular case may uh, harm uh, the very cause, the, the very uh, foundation of the good cause that it was started with. So policy making in the European countries is essential for uh, the other countries to move towards that, but it has to be based on the evidence, on, uh, on the knowledge, on, on the factual um, information that is, that is out there. Uh, the study, which I think is extremely important for this, for this uh, particular reason, shows the ignorance or lack of knowledge from the health professionals, which is, which is a serious uh, problem because then most of the policies are based on the recommendations of the health professionals. And we've gone through, uh, there are many examples of building these, these policy portfolios based on wrong understanding of, of, uh, of things. Uh, from for example, overuse of antibiotics, uh, and that's thankfully, you know, that's, that's been changing around the world because antibiotics were considered as the solution for everything, you know, maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago. Now we're moving towards not using them. And again, those changes in policies are based on the evidence that the current uh, modern times gives us. Currently, obviously, the vaping, which is, which is becoming... Uh, point of debate in many countries because they can't really um, see which way it should be going, whether it's a tobacco product, it's, what is it, and how, how you define this. Uh, that actually prevents uh, or brings in uh, some, some, policy or some policy decisions which are actually harmful to, to those that would like to quit smoking, and this study actually shows that. So what we need to do is we need to put that information out there Put the factual information out there so, so the policymakers in Europe and EU and other developing countries are coming up with something more progressive which then 
uh, can be used globally because these countries are the leaders in, in research, in development, in medicine, and everything, and uh, many of them uh, serve as an example for, for the others. So I um, commend you with a very, very interesting and good work and very useful, and hopefully we'll start moving towards uh, sane policies um, in the future around the world. The entire press conference will soon be available on our social media channels, and you can also check out the paper that is associated to this uh, press conference on the publications page of consumerchoicecenter.org. That's as much as I have for you today. Um, next week, we'll be back with a guest. So thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, I'll uh, see you Thursday. You have to learn.